You're listening to a production of Swanson Media. This is Sullen Radio, and I'm Joe Swanson. Today on the show, my guest is tattoo artist, creative director, and co-founder of Sullen Clothing, Ryan Smith. Ryan talks about his journey of overcoming a back injury that left him helpless, and how the art from the Sullen artists will and always has shaped the direction of Sullen Clothing. Hear about the beginning of Ryan's tattoo career and the direction he'd like to help guide selling clothing. You know, it all just boils down to just knowing that for me to be successful, I need to take care of myself. About a year ago, I was uh, traveling a lot on the tour for Rockstar. And I was on a plane after plane after plane and I was sitting a lot and I was working a lot. And my back was starting to hurt pretty significantly. And I, and I went to lunch, I sat down and I, and it started to hurt really bad and to where it's like I couldn't even stand. And I went home and I laid down and I couldn't stand out of bed for like three days. I was like a child and it would make me laugh. I was sitting there unable to really do anything and I was like, you know, it was in that moment where I was like, I have to fix myself. You know, I have so many, you know, tattooers that have said, man, you know, like your training, it, it's got me to sign up for a gym. You know, it's got me to, to start running and it's like, and so I keep posting because it's like, I want to inspire people to, to get out there. Like, I try to drag my friends out with me on bike rides and I, and I try to give them pointers on swimming on how to like slowly get into that because it's like, it's made such a positive impact on my life just within my physical well-being that, you know, just in, just for drawing sake, you know what I mean? Being able to sit in a drawing position for longer through physical activity. So the more people I can as inspire to, to get off the couch or to pay attention to their hamstrings, you know, like the better. I think we just wanna do more of the same, you know, like always be a vehicle for new artists, you know, be a vehicle for the guys that we already work with and, and help them promote their art. So now having had so many conversations and, and, and kind of directing these guys into what really works on apparel, they kind of bring me stuff that's like ready to rock. There really is no direction or narrative necessarily. It's basically what they feel, what they want to project. And we just try to find a way to make it work as a t-shirt as best we can. This is Joe Swanson with Sullen Radio, and this is my talk with tattoo artist and co-founder of Sullen Clothing, Ryan Smith. This is Sullen Radio with Joe Swanson the premier art-driven podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Sullen Radio, and this is Joe Swanson. I am super excited to uh, introduce my guest today, uh, co-owner of Sullen Clothing, Ryan Smith. How are you, man? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me. No, it's, uh, it's my pleasure. Um, you know, this has been an exciting thing to talk. For me, as an artist, uh, I'm coming up on 20 years of tattooing this year. Uh, I'm going to be celebrating, like we talked about early before we started recording. I'm going to be celebrating at Palm Springs. That's pretty much 20 years of tattooing for me. And it's exciting for me to be involved in this new project that I've been doing, Sullen Radio, and involved with you and Jeremy and you guys' company. And it's, as an artist, as somebody who can appreciate what you guys are doing, you have this, the new spring line that's just dropped. And, man, it does not it does not disappoint, you know, you have a ton of cool shit. And some of my favorites, I like the, the badge tee with the webs. Um, that one I just 
I saw and I love that. Uh, Ian McNone's shirt is killer. Josh Hagen's shirt is killer. Rich Pinedas is, you know, obviously that guy's super talented and, and is going to put out great stuff. Um, it's exciting to see, and I wonder how much of, you know, the, the direction of each line that you guys drop as, as you're, you're moving through the years is pushed by the art that's coming in, or how much of that direction do you take control of as a creative director and, you know, manipulate to where you guys want and what you want the brand to do and what you feel the family, Sullen family is going to be interested in? Well, I mean, to kind of give you a little bit of a, like a, a, a deeper level of how we develop the line, you know, we kind of segment out every season with like your signature artist tees, we have um, logo-driven, brand-driven. So, you know, as far as like the signature artists, we kind of allow them to be whatever they want it to be. And we try to make that art work for apparel. And, you know, not every piece that we see fits, but, you know, it's been 14 years now. And a lot of the guys that we've worked with, have been, we've been working with them for a long time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the artwork that they show us, they kind of already have an idea that would work on a shirt. And I always tell them, you know, um, would you want to wear it, you know, and, and, uh, cause I get a lot of really amazing art that you could just never wear on a tee. And, uh, and so with, so now having had so many conversations and, and, and kind of directing these guys into what really works on apparel, they kind of bring me stuff that's like ready to rock. So anymore, it's kind of like just plug and play, but, you know, so that's why it's like, there really is no direction or narrative necessarily. It's basically what they feel, what they want to project. Mm-hmm. And we just try to find a way to make it work as a t-shirt as best we can. Mm-hmm. It's got to be exciting to look back and see kind of the vibe of those different seasons as they've passed and what was happening and, you know, how that artwork now, as you look at it, um, how it, how it kind of feels overall, you know, um, it's, uh, it, it's, how is it working with so many, how do you manage that, man? Cause you have, I'm sure a ton of stuff coming in and, and how is it as a, um, as an artist yourself, how do you manage that? Well, you know, um, it does help to work with a lot of tattooers because, you know, um, one thing that a lot of people take for granted is that tattooers do art on their free time. You know, if they're doing art during work, it's usually for tattoos. So it's very difficult for tattooers to do a huge body of art, you know? So by working with a large amount of artists, it provides, um, it provides for you to get, you know, one or two pieces a year if you're lucky, you know? So that's kind of how, you know, we don't ever, it's never like a hustle. It's kind of like, if you got something new, send it in. And it seems like, you know, every season we get, I don't know, like, 10 to 20 guys that have something that works. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, every year we drop about, I don't know, 10 to 12 signature t-shirts every drop. And we do two major drops a season, one, uh, my, or two small drops a season. So, and in those smaller drops, we'll do maybe like, I don't know, four to six signature sheets. So every year we do probably about, we only have room for about 60 designs that are like mm-hmm. signature tees. And then the rest of the line is just like brandable pieces and stuff that we can create internally that are more trend driven or, or simple icon. Because like 
with the signature stuff, it's usually really loud and, and not everybody can wear the loud. So we try to make the rest of the line like, you know, maybe type driven or things that are more subtle, badge driven, icon driven, you know, so that way you kind of have a mix of mm -hmm. like really beautiful art and then like more simplified, just, you know, uh, pieces that are maybe just like association, brand association. Mm -hmm. Does all this, does all this, uh, information that that uh you breaking down business right now you know and it's um how much of that was influenced by your tattooing because you've been tattooing how long man you've been tattooing a long time yeah i mean i started apprenticing when i was uh i just turned 18 so i was 19 pretty much when i apprenticed uh -huh. um i tattooed professionally for just a few years but when i went to i left for art school when i was 21 but during that entire time, I would guest spot every every semester break. So every three months, I would go back to the tattoo shop that I worked at, and I would work for about three weeks, you know, on on people that I was, you know, getting. So I was still tattooing pretty regularly up until about year five of Solon. Um, so I was tattooing pretty good for about, oh man, I want to say like eight to 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then it started to really slow down as the brand, uh, as the prior, like the obligations of the, the brand became more and more time consuming. They provided for less and less time to tattoo. Mm -hmm. And then as I, you know, started building a family and, you know, having kids, then it became even harder. So now it's pretty much, you know, I, I do tattoo, but it's maybe once, once a month or twice a month and it's for fun. Mm -hmm. You know, it's usually on really close friends and, um, you know, and, and because of that, I try to keep the, the, the subject matter and the, and stylistically, I try to keep it simple and fun. I like to do a lot of lettering pieces and like, I kind of blend, you know, cause I, I started tattooing in 96 and, you know, this whole like realism, no outline thing wasn't even really, it wasn't even a thing. So I learned tattooing with bold lines and things like that. So mm -hmm. I, I still use that because I don't really feel comfortable enough to tattoo based on value, you know, uh, like, you know, these guys are just destroying it, you know? <laughs> right. So like, if I do something, it's usually something like, that's like a mix on traditional. Like I love doing things like reapers and, you know, eagles and, and things that you can have fun with you know, with narrative, but like with the style that I grew up, you mm -hmm. know, uh, you know, the style that I grew up using, you know, if I tattooed every day, maybe I would try to like lean more towards things that my friends are tattooing, but I don't, I don't. So I just kind of keep it simple. Yeah. Well, you came up in that time, that mid nineties was like, you had to do everything and you know, anything that walked in the door and most of it, I mean, that was kind of around that beginning time where, you know, people were starting to come in and ask for custom stuff. And it was that, you know, boom of, of trying to do some custom things. And you saw a lot of people doing, I mean, it was wild, you know, that was a wild, wild West right then. I mean, people think this time is, but back then we thought the same thing, you know, you're, you're, you see guys doing sacred street cones, all twisted and weird colored, you know, back then, you know, it was, it was weird stuff, but you definitely had to be well-rounded, you know, as an artist, you had to, um, be able to do whatever walked in the door, whether that was tribal and you had to put the, something in, you know, just super black or it was a traditional piece or it was a black and gray piece, which 
at that time, you know, I learned black and gray piece with a, it was a three liner and, you know, you still had a little outline on stuff and, um, maybe you'd build up the outside of it, but, um, it was a fun time, you know, it was a fun time tattooing for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, go ahead. No, I was just uh, curious. What what was your apprenticeship like during that time? Being that it was so kind of dynamic in the industry, even back then, you know, it was going through this kind of resurgence. What was your time like apprenticing? You know, my apprenticeship was pretty mellow. I had some really cool people that I worked with. Um, the shop was like right in the heart of a university, so we were doing a lot of like little, you know, simple, a lot of like. Uh, a lot of tribal, a lot of, uh, not a lot of custom work, you know? Um, and there was a lot of downtime, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was not when like tattooing was becoming popular, but it wasn't popular. And I was working in a shop that was relatively young. So, you know, there was a lot of time where I was like just drawing or just waiting, you know, but, um, you know, I spent a lot of time like doing, uh, you know, a lot of, tra- a lot of tribal back then. A lot of David Bolt flash. I don't know if you're familiar with David Bolt, but like, you know, you know, when I started tattooing, his flash was like the, you know, it was like the most original at the time. Mm-hmm. So we ended up tattooing a lot of it. Um, and then I started like leaning more towards doing like um, a lot of like pirate ships and reapers and skulls and, you know, and, I, and, and the more of the things that you do regularly, the more people want that, you know, mm-hmm. they kind of go, Oh, that thing you did, I like it. I want one like that. So, you know, my apprenticeship was was pretty traditional. Um, I don't know if you want me. To, I, I started apprenticing in a shop called Artistic Skin Design, and it was really um, I was more just a janitor. And then, uh, you know, but I did learn how to clean needles and and all that. But um, I ended up leaving uh, artistic with an artist and, and went to club, and I and I tattooed. Um, under this female tattooer named Robin, who I had no idea was a total tweaker, but apparently, (laughs) um, you know, she'd have these like, these like, um, tackle boxes filled with junk and she would make these random things out of it. I thought, how cool. And then like, you know, later, cause I was 19 and completely naive. I realized like that was just a tweaker thing to do. Yeah. I've worked with people. (laughs) I've definitely worked with people like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and she brought me into club and I, uh, I'm very thankful for that because I met Sean Dowdell who, um, was like, was like kind enough to bring me in. And then, you know, I apprenticed under, um, it's got, it's been a long time. So his name was Ian. I forget his last name, but, um, I apprenticed under Ian and Robin for that full year. And then I was able to tattoo professionally. So it was pretty boring. I mean, I did all the basic stuff, you know, made everybody's needles, um, that's before you could buy them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I had to buy my machines unassembled, put them all together. They would break them apart and I'd have to put them back together again. <laughs> it was back when everybody bought stuff from national yeah. and, and all that fun stuff. But, um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty, you know, typical. How did you start developing that style when you started doing reapers and skulls? Was that imagery that you dug before, or was it just kind of something that tattooing introduced you to and you just, something about it resonated with you and you dug that i just i've always been into like darker things you know so you know i've always liked traditional tattoos but i always have liked you know you know traditional art 
because I was, you know, my degree was illustration and I, you know, spent much, most of my time learning art with the fundamentals. So it's mm -hmm. like, I love blending those styles, you know, like utilizing value and light source, but then also having simplified images. So, you know, like that's kind of where, I, and I did, a, a, believe it or not, I did a ton of Asian work when I was, a lot of dragons, a lot of koi fish, you know, a lot of finger waves, tons and tons of, of, of that stuff. I'd say if I was doing color, it was, it was Japanese influenced, you know? Yeah. Where does that, where did that, where did you first get introduced to that stuff? Was it around well, the shop or? Yeah. I mean, that was just what was hot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was, it was either tribal or traditional Japanese, you know? Yeah. And so that's what everybody, they wanted the quarter sleeve, the, the koi fish with the mm -hmm. dragon and the water. Yep. So we ended up doing a ton of it. Yeah. There you was know? some, there was a, when, when I was tattooing around that same time, it was, uh, we, we used to tattoo off the national brand tattoo flash or the JD crow stuff. And they had, they had a couple standard, like the big dragons that you would, you know, ha half sleeve somebody out with just stencil that thing right on and, and go. It's just a matter what color did you want it? You know? Um, right. so yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was cool. Who did you, who did you look to back then? Like, when you were looking through magazines, do you remember any names that were just killing it and you? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, Philip Liu is probably, you know, uh, stylistically, I mean, um, one of the tattooers that taught me, his name was Bob Sims. He ended up getting an entire sleeve from Philip Liu in one weekend, we traveled to Switzerland. And, uh, you know, I was just like blown away at how he could do such beautiful tattooing so fast. And, and he, you know, he had made mention in, in articles that, you know, being fast isn't the goal, but when you're really good, you can become fast, you know? And so like, um, for, from an all around perspective, I was really drawn to him, mm -hmm. you know, um, Guy Atchison was, you know, <laughs> I mean, I remember when he, uh, when, uh, Jeremiah Barba got his back piece from, guy and it was i believe at ink slingers that he did he debuted it in like 96 and i was just like whoa this is insane you know like it was just so beautiful this cathedral and like it was just i mean i'd never seen anything like it at the time um you know i think from, from a black and gray perspective you know you couldn't not be inspired by paul booth mm -hmm. you know with guy and paul that's how the whole art collective thing came to me because I thought, how cool is it that these guys, they set up these canvases. I mean, they were doing this from as for as long as I can remember. And they would set up canvases at conventions and people would just draw on each other's art. And I was yeah. like, damn, that's, a, that's what we need. That's what needs to happen. Like people need to share and, and learn and, and, and not be so, cause I mean, a lot of times art can be reclusive and very like, you know, we could be very selfish with it. And I'm as, I've always been like the opposite. I'm like drawing my shit, you know, I want to learn from you. You know, I want my art to be inspired by you and I want, you know, us to learn from each other. And so like, you know, I borrowed those concepts as soon as I could. Like mm -hmm. when I, when we first started sewing, it was just me and I was the only one doing the art, you know, but as you know, time progressed and we were, slowly making a little more money and like, Hey, we'd have like a couple hundred bucks left over. So I would like say, Hey, you know, you want to design the shirt? 
And then it just start, slowly started snowballing where I was like, hey, you want to design the shirt with me? And then, um, and then the more you do things like that, the more things like that come around mm -hmm. to where like it was becoming, you know, almost, you know, it was like pinnacle probably two years ago where I was doing this, all this art with all these other people, but it all came back from that. I mean, I didn't, you know what I mean? It was from that that gave me the idea and, and, and uh, the direction of the collective, mm -hmm. you know, and collectively drawing and bringing in people and like, you know, together we rise, you know, like, you know, bringing a group of people up, you know, together to like, you know, cause I, you know, I, before we were tattoo, we were, we existed within just retail. And so like, we thought how cool would it be to expose retail to art that maybe they haven't seen before or names they haven't heard of. And because tattooers were doing art that was parallel to fine artists or graphic artists in the apparel world. And so it's like, when we were bringing this like ultra, you know, um, it's like beautifully illustrated pieces into apparel. Cause a lot of times, like when, when we first started doing apparel, I was like, so like disappointed with the level of like illustration or finish that a lot of these pieces have. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. It's a skull and it's a wing. But it's a crappy skull and it's a crappy wing and you, you could tell that it was rushed, you know. And so I'm like, you know what, one thing we're going to do is we're just going to make sure that the art that we produce is like badass. And for those who appreciate things and, and you know, and, uh, and, and can appreciate the quality, they're going to clue in on it and they're going to appreciate it. And, you know, for everyone else that it's lost on, you know, I felt like eventually, you know, it won't be. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm and uh, now, you know, seven years removed. I'm so happy that we did that because we are recognized as a company that does care about, you know, the art and you know the artists that we work with and making sure that the process from concept to completion is respectful of the artists that we work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? it's cool, man. I I dig it. I think that. Um you know, that kind of mentality of that collective has even, obviously it, it goes out farther than just the people behind the brand, you know, yourself and Jeremy and the artists, um, and everybody that works there and, and, you know, John and myself, it, it extends to this entire family, you know, the sullen family and the people that get behind it and dig it and they dig it on a deep level. You know, it's not just, Oh, I like wearing this stuff. It's, they start to feel that together we rise type mentality. And I think that's cool. You know, um, it's, I think everybody likes to be a part of that, you know, something. And it's, it's exciting to be uh, a part of it in a time in tattooing that's really dynamic. You know, we talk about the 90s being dynamic. And sure, it was for that time. But now, I mean, it's just as dynamic and um, it's exciting. So... Yeah, it's crazy now, you know, like, um, you know, tattooing has never been more available and more uh, accessible. So, you know, I remember in 96, I was thinking, man, how, how big, how much bigger is this going to get? And I never thought in a million years that it would have, it would be where it is now. You know, as soon as pop culture attached to tattooing, it just like blew the lid off of it to make it like incredibly accessible. You know, and I feel like as long as people and I and I and I firmly believe they will, 
But as long as we continue to see progression, like it's always going to be there for those that want it, you know, and for the people that are just curious, you know, they'll go away. But, you know, for those that are really, it's in their DNA, like it's going to be there forever. Talk about where you think, like, where is this big snowball going, man? What do you, what do you think about it? You're out there. You're not only, you know, educated about tattooing as a ta- from a tattooer standpoint, but from a artist standpoint, um, what do you think, where do you think this is all headed? Well, I mean, I can tell you that the one thing that I think I see already starting to happen is you're starting to see people refer to people as collectors instead of just people with tattoos. So it's like, you know, they're like kind of like this whole new subgenre. You, whereas like you just had tattooers and their clients and now you have tattooers and then you have collectors who have their own personas, which is kind of crazy, you know, but cool. I mean, I, you know, I'm stoked because like when the tattoo nation movie came out, it was just, it was starting to like make that become mm-hmm. like, you know, it was really starting to put the pieces together as far as like, like with, um, you know, that movie really kind of started you know, really making people realize that there's, you know, people like Chuko who were, who had it figured out a long time ago and were like already prophesizing it. But it took a movie like Tattoo Nation to really like bang it over people's heads. Like, wow, there's these like people who are seeing, who are collecting tattoos, not just getting tattoos. You know, um, as far as like, I, I feel like at some point tattooing, you're going to see a lot of, you know, you're going to see things change from it being just like about the technical act of putting on a tattoo to where you're starting to see more narrative and storytelling, you know, like, you know, uh, I think Jeff Gogway does a great job of that, you know, where it's like, you know, these huge pieces, like people really like bending, you know, like you're seeing, you know, the stuff from like the, the sacred geometry pieces that are really kind of like, you know, exploring the you know what you can do with the human figure with you know shape and then you have people like jason butcher who are like really bending uh scale and you know composition you know and then like i feel like one of the next thing you're going to start seeing is like people really telling stories you know and i mean it's already happening but i feel Mm -hmm. like with fine art that's like a lot of what it is Mm -hmm. and i feel like with tattooing it's it's you're going to see more and more of that Yeah. And I think what now, and some people, there's been this whole, you know, a period of time where people went through this thing because of the TV shows that they don't want to hear anything about. I'm going to get this tattoo because I fucking want this tattoo. It doesn't have to be about anything. And I think what's different about what you're saying and about talking about the narrative of a piece or the story behind a piece, that it's not about, um, oh, I'm getting this, you know, and it's this deep meaning and it's got to have all these elements or this or that. It's about the greater vision, you know, that the artist can um, put through this piece. It may be a singular, it still has meaning, but it's, it doesn't have to have this, like, this reality show meaning, you know, this contrived um, idea that it has to be about something. Other- yeah, yeah, you don't get a flower and it's about your mom who's, you think is like a flower, not at all. <laughs> yeah, right. it's like, it's like people can find meaning in anything. Mm-hmm. You know, like you could have, 
a rock and say I'm a I'm as hard as a rock, you know, and you know it's and you see a lot of that baloney, you know, and and you shake your head at it, but yeah, I guess you know when I think of it, it's a little grayer and you know and a, and a little more purposeful, you know. I think you really started like when you watch shows like LA Inc. Um, you know, they really do kind of push that boundary as far as like the storytelling and the stories behind them and and you know to each their own that's you know by all means if that means for them then then that's awesome you know but i think um for me it's just a piece honestly it's just a piece of this growing industry you know or it's a it's a piece that's been able to be taken from this um growing industry you know the at some point when something gets as pop you know popular it happens you know it happened with tattooing it happened with custom bike building it happened with cooking it you know all these different things there's a formula to make that shit entertaining and it's bound to happen at some point so uh, you know i i think it's cool that um it's just something that we have to deal with you know and and i don't think it has to affect us and that's what's cool about it you know it doesn't have to we can invest ourselves in the things that we want to invest in as artists as collectors as observers as listeners you know, and that's and that's what's cool, you know, about there's so many different lanes that you can be in in tattooing now um, that there's no reason you can't find one. Right. And I think, too, like, you know, you're going to start seeing people that like really, you know, because like there's like genres and you're going to see people like really narrow it down to subgenres even more to where mm-hmm. it's like you're going to really like literally narrow it down to like people that are doing very specific styles. I mean, it's already. It kind of like that. It totally has like happened that way. It's going to get more. It's going to get more like that. Yeah, you know? I think so. And I think I mean, you you already see people doing that. Where, hey, this is going to you know I'm doing this. You know, you see people operating in almost down to I'm going to try to tattoo like it's a 1970s black and gray Southern California East LA. You know, they try to emulate that stuff that Jack and Freddie and those guys were doing way back then. Now. And it's because of the information that's out there about those guys and about, you know, shows like Tattoo Nation and the ability for those guys to, you know, their stories to be told and the history of tattooing to be told that those people can even are able to do that, you know, make a living tattooing in a style that is specific to almost a decade. Right. I mean, to me, they were the original boat shakers, you know, before color realism you know the the debate the color realism debate came along like if you look at black and gray i mean that was to me way more radical of a of a progression or a change within tattooing because you know before that point it was all just you know classic traditional americana Mm -hmm. or japanese and i mean like when you look at like the stuff that they were doing like it was like completely different you know what i mean mm. it was just fine line shading and you know like um i always you know uh talk to jack about that you know because there's always this you know realism debate and i'm like well you were the original you know what i mean like your stuff was crazy to me like in the if you think about it in the you know early 80s like to me that was really you know uh making waves or the late 70s i guess mm-hmm. or mid whenever you know that really started to hit yeah it's it's cool that that obviously 
there's a huge impact that that had, you know, and those guys are still around doing phenomenal work that's relevant today too, which is, which is an even cooler thing because it speaks to their longevity and their, you know, success as an artist and, you know, a lot of different things. So it's cool to see guys, you know, like that, that are still in it, you know, and still being able to, um, you know, operate as, as tattooers and artists, you know? Yeah. Jack was, you know, he really was probably the largest influence on me commercially because like I was always intrigued by him and his story. I remember, you know, uh, the first time I went to, um, uh, the Palladium, uh, Inkslinger's ball. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, that was when, you know, cause I, I've always been attracted to like graphic stuff. And he was always doing this beautiful typography, like beautiful pieces and beautiful illustrations. And I, I just remember like going up to his booth, being scared to death to buy a sticker, you know. And um, but I would, I, you know, I bought the sticker like five bucks or whatever. But I would just like it, it was just to me, it was like it was like incredible. Like this, you know what I mean? You look at it and the, like the typography is perfect and the lettering, you know. And so like when. Um, you know, the first time I met Jack was through Sage and we were doing Sage's shirts for the Mesa Tattoo Convention and I was scared shitless. You know, I'm like, oh my God, I got to talk to Jack Rudy, you know? And, uh, you know, it took a while, you know, like we would, you know, it was very, it was very on my toes because I remember the experience of buying the sticker. And, you know, <laughs> did you talk so to like, him? So you didn't talk to him when you bought the sticker. It was just like, here's your five bucks. Here's your sticker, kid. Get the fuck out or what? <laughs> yeah, totally. Get the fuck out. You know, like beat it, you know, and, and I was OK with that. You know and I mean? That's just part of who he is. But like the I- irony of it is, you know, him as a person, he couldn't be more opposite. Like when you get to know him, like he's the sweetest, funniest guy in the world. But, you know, it took many, many years for me to, you know, for him to trust me, you know what I mean? Like, especially those guys are used to people coming around that they want mm-hmm. things from them. Yeah. And, you know, and I was very aware of that, you yeah. know, and I, I never wanted to come across as like, uh, like using or anything. And so like, I allowed that relationship to be what it was and I allowed it to mature on its own. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm thankful for that because now, you know, I do see him a lot and, and he does, and, and to have somebody who influenced me so deeply on a commercial level through my art and through 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 commerce, you know, it's really cool to have him as a, uh, a mentor yeah. now, you know, and, and uh, you know, so it's like funny how things come full circle. Mm-hmm. You know what I always loved uh, from him were his uh, and still do his national posters, man. He had a way of putting, you know, that lettering and he all, a lot of times he did that dot dot work, you know, on it and. Man, those those things always stood out because the guy that I worked for in Vallejo would always get those, and you know he'd have them framed by the guy down the street and and put them up in the shop. So I always saw those. Was always impressed with the lettering. I mean, I'd you know steal that lettering daily. You know, walking by the poster, look, oh, that's going to do the A like that, or you know, try this on the T. And um, so yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting, you know, to it's exciting to have those people in your life for sure. Um, those posters are going to be part of tattoo history for sure. I mean, for, like, sure. for how long he's done them and for how beautiful they are, mm-hmm. you know, like it's easy to, you know, it's, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that that's an original piece of art because a lot of times they're for t-shirts or for posters, 
you know, um, but like when you look at the, the volume of it mm -hmm. and, you know, it's like, it's exciting to think that, you know, things that you can see and touch and hold, you know, will have a place in history. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, shit, you man. Deserve, you know? uh, we, we, tattooing is really in the, in its modern era has only been around for, you know, what, 1891, that first machine was, was patented and it's a, you know, a race from there. But uh, so it's a young, it's still to us in, in its modern era, it's still a young trade, you know? Um, and I think we've come in incredible ways in, in a short amount of time. And there's, I think the sky's the limit, you know, with, with it. Um, you know, you guys, I think what's exciting too is Sullen has kind of spearheaded some of these, these ideas that have been out in other industries a long time, these collaborative ideas. You guys did the, the Rockstar Energy, and you're collaborating with huge, you know, big companies, and you're, you're involving yourself in other markets. Um, talk about that, because that's exciting for me to see that happening, and for respected companies in tattooing to be bringing in um, other companies, and you know, it, it's, it's cool to see that. I think that's going to continue to happen you know, as tattooing gets bigger and continues to snowball those things are going to happen. Talk about that experience for you. And, um, that tour must've been amazing, man. You know, all those different stops international. Um, what a great collection of artists that, that you were able to work with and involve in that as well. And ultimately Roman winning the can art, uh, for this year. Um, you know, it, it seems like a cool venture. Well, I mean, the rockstar tour, you know, um, yeah, it was, it was kind of a dream come true for us because we had this really large company that kind of came to us and said, Hey, you know, we really, you know, love what you guys are doing at tattooing and we want to become involved. We want to become more visible. What do you guys want to do? You know? And I said, well, first of all, number one, it has to be organic. It has to be true. I want to have guys on this tour that wouldn't necessarily do things that were commercial if it wasn't done right, you know? And so I wanted to be respectful of, you know, as much as I could of the industry. So you know, the first thing I said was, let's keep it with the conventions. Let's not, you know, because at the time they were like, reality show, reality show, reality show. And I was like, no, let's make it something that's real. You know, real tattooers go to conventions, real people that are into tattooing go to conventions. Let's make it exist there and let it exist for what it is. And if it expands its reach socially, then great. That's a that's what we want. You know, and they were cool with that, you know, which was what was the know? switch? What was the switch for them? Because the, initially them coming at you like, hey, this is, seems what's to a corporate company. This seems what's hot right now. Reality show, reality show. How did they you convince them to still dump the dollars in but flip to be more respectful? I mean, they um, I think that they I because, I, you know, I told like at one point they were like, oh, we want this reality person on there. And I said, if you do that, I will quit. You know, I literally said it. I said it is either is either A or B, you know, and I was very forceful about it. I was like, fuck this. My reputation means more to me than this thing. So, you know, if that's the direction you want to go, then, you know, um, I don't want to be a part of it. And, and I think they understood, like, how serious that was to me and, like, how much it meant for their brand because I was like, Listen, if you want us to really make it core and really make it about as, as best we can for the industry and respectful of the industry, like you have to trust me on this one, you know, and they were cool 
cool enough to, to back off on it mm -hmm. and, you know, allow it to be what it was. And I feel like, um, you know, I feel like for, from, from their perspective, it was incredibly effective and successful because, you know, the social reach of that tour was, was immense. You know, it's like, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't realize how, you know, um, how much influence tattooers have over, you know, just over uh, the social community, you know? And so when you have 12 guys that all have significant followings and they're pumping things out and they have friends that help them pump it out, it gets a pretty large, you know, the, the echo wave, the waves echo far. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's hard for brands like Rockstar to do that without spending, you know, a grip of money on like a NASCAR, you know, and even then it's like, you know, you're lucky if they see your logo mixed in with like, 58 other logos right you know at least with this one they had a captive audience and it was like you know you know we were the only ones that were really sending that message so to me it was you know it was a win-win it was a win that we got to hook up our friends with you know this opportunity to make all this money and it was a win for us because we were able to see the world and and uh and you know kind of you know spread the vision of where we want to do and then for the you know, for the fans, they got to, you know, get the cans and, you know, vote for their favorites. So it was like a win-win. And then they also had consumer prizes. So, you know, I, I feel like that was, you know, probably one of the highlights, you know, what we've done was putting that tour together and, and really trying our best to make it uh, authentic mm -hmm. and not, you know, because the last thing I want to do is lose the respect of someone like Jack Rudy, who I've worked my entire career to have. So, I always think like, would these people that I respect be okay with it? Mm -hmm. And then if they are, then, you know, I go along with it. If not, you know, there's more to life than money or, or, or things that make you money. So, you know, uh, I'll turn that down if it doesn't fit, mm -hmm. you know? I want to get into, I like it, man. I like the, I like the ideas. I like the sentiment behind it. I've done, you know, I've had a, in the 20 years that I've been tattooing, I've had a lot of fun experiences as well. And I wouldn't want to bum those people who have meant a lot to me out as, as well. You know, um, it's, uh, it's fun to be able to do stuff with integrity and when it works out and it's, you know, successful, that's even better, you know, um, do you, uh, I want to move into a little bit different direction, man, with you, because I see some of the, you know, we're going to get off a tattoo and we're going to get on these crazy workouts that you seem to do. And you say you're trying to look like me, man. I've been slacking and I'm getting back into it. I'm trying to go for, you know, six pack summer this year, but what's, how did you get into this and how do you get through this? You know, it's pretty simple. I mean, um, about a year ago, I was uh, traveling a lot on the tour for Rockstar. And I was on a plane after plane after plane, and I was sitting a lot, and I was working a lot. And it was just after I got back from um, Seattle, I went to lunch. And my back was starting to hurt pretty significantly. And I, and I went to lunch, I sat down, and, I, and it started to hurt really bad and to where it's like I couldn't even stand. And uh, I was, I told my wife, I'm like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta go home. Like I, like my body's shutting down and I went home and I laid down and I couldn't stand out of bed 
for like three days. I was, my, I had herniated three of my discs so bad that um, like I was just completely, you know, I was like a child and it would make me laugh. And I was like, you know, uh, I was sitting there, you know, unable to really do anything. And I was like, you know, it was in that moment where I was like, uh, I have to fix myself. And at first I thought, you know, I've had these injuries before in the past. You know, it'll be like a couple weeks and I'll be back to normal. Well, weeks turned into months, you know, and I still was like, you know, barely able to walk. I couldn't, I couldn't sit. I couldn't stand. It was miserable. And uh, it was through those months that I said, and I was going to the doctor and I was doctor to doctor, you know, that, you know, I wasn't getting any information. And I finally was like, you know, um, I went and had an MRI and I was told I had these herniated discs. And then I was given a, um, an appointment to see a surgeon, you know, and I, I go to see the surgeon and, and he's like, do you really want to be here? I'm like, hell no, I don't want to be here. And then he prescribed me some physical therapy, which was a joke. And I ended up finding, um, a physical therapist through, um, our investor who, uh, um, whose father ended up having this like physical therapy chiropractic office and and they actually ended up like finding the right recipe of like explaining to me what happened to me and how do I fix it but it was through that journey that I was like you know what when I'm better I'm going to figure out what was wrong with me and how I fix myself you know and so I ended up um, reading this book called the history of the human body because I felt like I needed to understand my body to understand why, what my body was telling me, like clearly if your back herniates itself, your body's telling you something, mm -hmm. you know? And so, you know, I read this book and it like completely opened my mind to like, what was my problems? And, and, you know, it really, it literally talks about how our bodies have evolved over these hundreds of thousands of years and how over the last 5,000 modern years or whatever, like our bodies are not set up to deal with the kinds of stresses that we have, like chairs and shoes and, you know, office jobs. Those are all so new and our bodies aren't, you know, they're not coped to, to deal with that kind of stress. And the, if I could narrow the book down into two things, you know, the way that you combat these modern stresses is through diet and exercise. So, yeah. so as soon as I was able to, um, as soon as I was able to like walk again, you know, as soon as the, the physical therapy was was working, I, I started boxing again. I used to box a lot beforehand. But every time I would box, the twisting would jack my back and I would be I would be back to where I was, you know. And so after doing that a couple of times, I was like, I got to quit. You know, I can't box for a long time. So I was like, what can I do? And so, you know, uh, my, one of my, my, my family physician told me, you know, hey, like, why don't you try swimming? You know, I heard that, you know, it's a zero buoyancy thing. You can do it. And I'm like, I like being active. I don't, I don't like being sedentary. So, you know, I bought a gym pass and um, I started swimming like four days a week. I would swim three days a week and then I would swim one day on the weekend. And I did that for like, I was like fanatical about it. And I ended up, uh, you know, I ended up fixing myself to where I was able to like literally be back to normal. And it was through that swimming that I met this dude and he was like, he's, he was at the time he was 57 and he was this Asian dude and he was just like, 
completely shredded, like just a, like, like the poster of like what you want to be when you're 57. And I said, what's your secret, man? You know, like, how do you, you know, how are you in such great shape? And he's like, well, you know, I train with this group and we do these bike rides and, and all this other stuff. And he's like, you should come. And it was like one of those pivotal moments to where I was like, you know what I need, you know, work was stressing me out, like completely. My, my blood pressure was through the roof. I was, I was internalized. I was taking on way too much pressure. So I was like, as I was swimming, I realized it was releasing that. And I started feeling better just in general. So I kind of went outside of myself and said, you know what? I want to do something that's completely out of my comfort range. And I want to do something for myself, you know? And so I made a commitment um, to sign up for this Olympic distance triathlon, you know? And through that commitment, I was like forced to be, I was forced to make, to meet new people through training. And like, cause like, it's not like there's like, oh, there's this place you go. Like you literally have to go online and you have to look up like, you know, places to train and who to train with. And I was forced to, to meet strangers and things like that. But it was this unbelievable, you know, experience of like being around a bunch of people that were in the same boat of like achievement, you know? And so, you know, I cut out alcohol and that was another thing. I wanted a reason not to drink for a while. And uh, I ended up, you know, competing in this Olympic distance triathlon and it was like the best feeling of accomplishment because I went from being this like incapacitated child in bed you know laughing about how I couldn't even walk because like every time I would move and the thing is like these things happen to tattooers all the time you know like if you sit like your hamstrings it's a very specific thing if you find yourself sitting your hamstrings will will begin to atrophy you know, and what happens is over time, the more you sit, the more your hamstrings shrink to where your back, you go from standing straight up to slowly just not so straight up and slowly to where your head becomes forward of your hips. And the more forward your hips, your head goes, the more those, the jelly in your spine needs to compensate for that head movement moving forward. And that's the thing is like, I read that in the book. And so, you know, I had no clue that, like, I was slowly setting myself up for that failure. And I realized, like, tattooers do that every day. And I know so many guys that are like, you know, and it doesn't bother you when you're in your 20s. It's when you're like me, where I'm almost 40 years old. And, like, and, and that time of, like, that head movement over and then that bulging of the discs, like, pretty soon your back's killing you. And, like... You know, to where it's like some guys are out, you know, mm. and it's like, you know, and so it was like that, uh, you know, that's what really spawned me into doing it. So it was like a mixture of wanting to help myself, wanting to make changes in my life to lower my stress. And so it like, and that, you know, that training, you know, once you start doing it, it's like, what's next, you know? Yeah. And like all the dudes that I was training with were like, oh yeah, you're doing this little Olympic thing. What's that? <laughs> you know, like something like 30 miles. Yeah. We do these Ironman races. It's like what big boys do, you know? And I was like, what, what's that? You know? And they're like, well, it's, you know, it's a 2.4 mile swim. It's a 112 mile bike and it's a 26 mile run, but you're, you know, you're doing your little baby races, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, you know, immediately, you know, that became the focus. And so, you know, now um, I signed up for my, 
first full um, full iron in November. And so, you know, I train a lot and I do post like, like I have my Facebook. I use my Facebook as like my family thing, you know, like people that I know personally that want to know me as a me, like I post my, my training on that. I leave my Instagram for work, but like, I find that like a lot of times people are inspired by it. Like, you know, I have so many, you know, tattooers that have said, man, you know, like your training, it, it's got me to sign up for a gym. You know, it's got me to, to start running. And it's like, and so I keep posting because it's like, I want to inspire people to, to get out there. Like I try to drag my friends out with me on bike rides and I, and I try to give them pointers on swimming on how to like slowly get into that because it's like, it's made such a positive impact on my life just within my physical well-being that, you know, just in, just for drawing sake, you know what I mean? Being able to sit in a drawing position for longer through physical activity. So the more people I can as inspire to, to get off the couch or to pay attention to their hamstrings, you know, like the better, you know? And so I do, I do like to, to post, you know, what I've done because I, I see that people have, have said that it's affected them, you know? And, you know, and so, yeah, so started with this back injury, which, which led to swimming because when I started swimming, I didn't even think about riding a bike because my back hurt. And then right. I eventually realized I could ride a bike and then, and everything was like these challenges. I love challenges. Like how far can you go? How far can you push it? You know? And so it's like, to me, that Olympic or that, that full iron distance is pushing it to the max, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's been my focus. Yeah. Have you heard of the, uh, the raid Guluaze? Have you heard Absolutely of that? Absolutely not. And I don't want to hear about it. Do don't you tell don't. Me. I don't. I don't know if you want to, because I see a pattern, Ryan, and this pattern is you're going to do your, your, you know, pussy little race that they called that little shitty race that you first did. And then you're going to get into these long ass races that they think are like for men. And then you're going to check out the Ray Guluaze. And this is a this is an invitation only race, but it's an adventure race. Like adventure racing seems to me like you need to get into that shit. Like that's man, like back in the day they did. So the guy that did, um, Mark Burnett, I think the guy that did survivor. Yeah. So he put on this race and I read it in this book called, uh, surviving the toughest race on earth. It was, w which talked about this journalist who, um, was looking for an adventure and needed to spark something in his, in his life. And he, trained with this team to do this adventure race called, well, I think he first went over there and, and reported on it. He reported on the raid and he was like dropped in the middle of the jungle. I mean, it's like this crazy hundreds of mile race over multiple different terrains and over like a week or two week period. And um, so I read about it in there and then Mark Echo put on this uh, kind of the similar thing in the United States, which was the eco challenge. And they, they actually, you probably find that shit on uh, YouTube still because um, they did TV, you know, coverage on it and all that. But um, pretty intense. It's, it's all about orienteering and some, you know, mountain biking and kayaking and rappelling and climbing and, you know, trekking and all these different things put into one. It's, uh, I don't know, it's if, pretty wild. If you, want, if you want crazy, you should talk to Corey Norris. That guy does these ultra marathons where his toenails fall off Ooh, my brother does some crazy like 50 milers and 100 milers and 
stuff like that. I don't don't want that, man. That's crazy. I'll (laughs) stick to my, you know, I've been back into it now for uh, a couple days. So I I took a break, man. I've been stressed out and work and trying to do this and trying to do that. And I haven't made it to the gym in a lot of months. But, um, and I got to that point. I don't know if you get to this point, but I got to the point where I knew where I was going to let it go to. And I'm at that, I was at that point. And so now I'm a few days back into working out. It's been a couple hard workouts, a nice, you know, uh, jog with the dogs today. And it's just going to continue to progress that way. But I got to that point where it was like, I know I can't let it go no farther. You know, at at my, at my age, at how I want to feel about myself and and what I want to do and, and be able to accomplish, you got to get back in, in the gym. And, and honestly, that can be anything, you know, we don't have to, some people would say that CrossFit's crazy and that's what I do. And some people would say that ultra marathons are crazy and I think it CrossFit <laughs> it's, you know what? I like it because it, and the crazy part of it is that it's intense. That's all. But if you operate under good body mechanics and you listen to your body and you don't worry about what that next guy is doing, because at a certain point, you're going to figure out that it's not about, you know, competition is good and it makes you push yourself, but it's not about competing with that person. It's about competing with yourself. And what can you be disciplined to do for yourself? And man, that comes with anybody out there that wants to make a change, make, you know, that feels like they need to make a change, make that change, whether that's in your diet, whether that's in exercise, and you don't got to do for CrossFit or you don't got to do an ultra marathon. You can walk, walk your neighborhood, you know, do anything, walk your dog, do some jumping jacks, do some sit-ups, whatever it is, you can make those positive changes. And I think it extends to the art. You know, we're in a dynamic time, like we talked about. Um, you know, I would love to get your take on how, you know, the digital, kind of in this digital era, where a lot of guys are working in, in digital, and it extends, making those changes positively in your life, I think, extend into your tattooing and into your art, you know, life as an artist. And you can, there's no excuse to not educate yourself on art or technique or, you know, anything. Um, a lot of guys are using this digital stuff. And did that impact that not only tattooing, but being in front of the computer a lot? Have you made changes in that aspect too, Ryan? Or, um, you, know, you mean like and you like when you when you reference digital, you mean like using like a Wacom? Yeah, a- so using like a Wacom tool, you know, tablet. I think a lot of guys are going that direction. And as a cre- you know creative director of a brand, you're sitting in front of the computer and using those same tools a lot. Right. Have you made changes? Obviously, the diet and the exercise are going to be good. Um, where do you see it going digitally within tattooing, and how have the changes you've made in your lifestyle affected? You know you being productive in those areas as well. Well, I mean, like the the training, it it helped for a a couple of things. Number one, it helped me, you know, it helped my back survive long hours of drawing or Mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, It helped my stress level because you leave it all on the table. So like I I was, I was like when around 2009, I was prescribed Ambien, you know, and I didn't know at the time that it was, addictive or whatever but i took it for like once i realized that it was like not good to take for more than two weeks that was like five four years later oh shit you know and then like i was like going well fuck how do i get off this stuff you know because 
like my doctor was like, well, I don't want you, you know, taking, cause I take on an incredible amount of stress with this business, you know, and like, and a lot of people don't see that stress, but you know, um, you have to find ways of getting rid of it. And like, for me, it's like my brain never shut off and I would always like, I would just lay in bed at night. And so like, you know, that would allow me to shut my brain off. But then at some point I realized like I had to find a way to eliminate that. And it wasn't until I was like training like crazy. Like I would do these like five hour, like gnarly bike rides, you know, with like these, you know, 20 mile mountain climbs, you know, that really kick your ass, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I would fall asleep just because I was completely exhausted, you know, but it allowed my body to start thinking that way to where, you know, I was able to like narrow it down to where I was able to stop taking it completely. So, mm -hmm. you know, that was one positive change to where my stress level is like very, very low now. So, um, but as far as like on a technical aspect, like, you know, I still prefer drawing with, I still prefer analog, you know, I still love a pencil and charcoal because to me, the, the tablets and stuff, they're kind of hard to use, you know, like these guys make it look so easy, you know, and I think maybe once you get really good at it, but like, you know, to do stuff like David Garcia is doing or, or Mr. Dist, like, those guys have probably been working out with those things for a very long time. Mm -hmm. and, they, and, and it probably takes them longer than you realize to create those pieces. You know what I mean? You could probably be minute for minute on the Wacom versus the analog, but it's just cleaner. It's easier. You can, right. you know, you can carry it around with you, whatever, you know? And so to me, it's like, if you can draw on the Wacom, you can draw on paper as, as good. I've seen mm -hmm. both of their drawings and their, you know, they're very, very equivalent. You know, the only good thing with the Wacom is you can really play with values and stuff without having to scan it, you know? Yeah, no, I think it's as it becomes, as it becomes more accessible, meaning the price point comes down. Now, the, the little 13-inch HD um, Wacom tablet is, I think it's like 1300 bucks or 1500 bucks or whatever. Um, it comes with either, you know, one of two operating systems. And that is a functional tool. I mean that you as a street shop tattooer, you could use that as long as you have a, you know, um, I believe internet and the ability to, you know, wirelessly just print something off. So I think as it becomes more accessible, people are going to just like they did with Photoshop, um, learn that, you know, take, right. take and, and, and get through that learning curve of, of this new tool. And I think it's going to be more used. Definitely. I, I, I think it's like with the, with that stuff, I've, I kind of look at it like everything. I think it's like to each their own, like to those people who love using computers and utilize them. That's awesome for those that refuse and only want to use tracing paper or whatever. That's awesome too. Mm -hmm. So it's really whatever your style fits because like mm -hmm. using the tablets is, you know, it does, there is a learning curve with it and it's not easy. And, you know, and so it's like, you know, it may not work for, everyone but like it is very convenient yeah you know absolutely absolutely man and i think it, it goes back to you know our choices in tattooing we have choices to get into whatever areas of tattooing we want and we can kind of pick our lanes and if you want to learn to make needles and that's something that's important to you to feel the nostalgia of of that and history or you want to learn to use a wacom 
tablet, then that's what you should be doing. You should put your 110% into it, you know? Um, what direction is, uh, what do you direction do you see you going as an artist? And where's selling going, man? All right, well, um, as an artist, I think I'm going to be doing more figurative dance. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot more, uh, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I hope to... I hope to do more. I mean, I, I love drawing with other artists. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to pencil some time in with Bob. I'm trying to pencil some time in with Jack. You know, um, I want to get back into charcoals. You know, like I love doing um, charcoal pieces. Um, you know, uh, I think that's for an artist I would like to do. Maybe even explore a little oil. You know, I've always been so afraid of it. But, like, I've always had pretty good results when I, like, sit down and actually do it you know but i just say it's very easy to like make things muddy so i'm always kind of like oh, i don't know if i want to do that you know and um but yeah i, I want to do more art artwork with other artists uh for the future and um get better at lettering things like that you know and just uh you know continue to progress well you guys are uh putting the right as far as lettering goes you guys are putting the right people around you with selling i mean we got uh, music coming up. This may this may actually air after music, but I'm stoked because Flox is going to be in there, and that guy's lettering to me is one thing I one thing I like about it. And I'm going to tell tell him this at music when I talk to him. Um, it continually progresses, right? right. I see that, and um, he's always also very versed at different styles. And he's good at com connecting those styles together. Like you'll see a piece that has, you know, um, and so does Big Mies. Big Mies has got that same thing where he's like block lettering with script. Um, and and Flox does it really, really well where he's got these really detailed flourishes, but there's a boldness to the thing. So, man, getting better at lettering. You guys are surrounding yourself with the right people. Thanks, man. Yeah, you know, um, with Big Me's, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's got that traditional sign painting background. So, you know, mixed in with his like kind of like, you know, Flox and BJ Betts influence, he kind of was able to take that traditional background of sign painting and mix it with like that, you know, maybe more gangster or, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, a little bit of Flox, a little bit of Norm, a little bit of. You could you could see the influences, but he keeps it unique to himself, mm -hmm. you know, to where he creates his own reality of yeah. like, you know, you know, he's definitely, you know, top of the food chain, you know. Absolutely, absolutely, man. I I one hundred percent agree. You know, just like, you know, the other guys that you mentioned, you know, and they're all connected, also, you know, have been connected and and are connected with Sullen, um, as a brand, as a company. Um, that's art driven, that's family driven. Where do you see Sullen going? Um, well, I mean, I think we just want to do more of the same, you know, like always be a vehicle for new artists, you know, be a vehicle for the guys that we already work with and, and help them promote their art. You know, um, uh, we have this new top that we're coming out with that's, um, that's compression that helps, uh, straighten your back so as you're tattooing it's it like pulls your shoulders back we're kind of excited about that that's kind of forward leaning um you know just you know nothing too crazy but just 
every now and then try to do something that's, you know, that, that, that reminds people that we care, you know, always about the art, always about the artist and, you know, and that's cool. And that's what, you know, you guys talked about, um, that, you know, having initially been impressed by you, this is what also impressed me when we first talked on my other podcast was that desire to not only put product out there that looks good, but that's functional and that's useful and that is forward thinking in the industry. Um, and so it's great, man. Uh, it's cool. And I appreciate you guys, you know, anytime you want to come on and bullshit with me, please do, you know, you got something going over there that you want to promote or that you want to pump up, you know, definitely, uh, hit me up and I appreciate your time, Ryan. It's been, it's been great talking to you and it's exciting for me, you know, it's kind of new to the Sullen family, but to be able to talk to, um, you know, you and, and see the direction and really get excited about it. So thank you. I hope I didn't bore you too bad. <laughs> no, man. I think you get, I think you got mo- people motivated to go sign up to, uh, for some swim classes, either some swim classes or some art classes. One of the two. I always say, you know, start small, you know, like if, if you don't know where to start, just go outside and walk. Yeah. You know, like for me, my, my journey started very slowly, you know, um, in terms of where I'm at now, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but like for everyone that's thinking about it and I run across people all the time that don't know where to start. And I always say, start slow, go yeah. out, walk down the street, just go down. Yeah. So it's just the act of putting your shoes on. Just just do it. Just put your shoes on three days a week and you'd be amazed at where you're mm-hmm. at a month later. It you doesn't know? and it doesn't happen without that hard work though, you know. There right. there's not a a quick fix, you know, with anything with with you know, physical health, with artistic development. You know, yeah, you can take a seminar. That's available to you now. You have everything knowledge-wise available to you, but you have to apply pencil to paper or, you know, digital pencil di- digital pencil to Wacom tablet or, you know, paintbrush to canvas, and you have to put that time in there. So the practical application of it is it's just like you said, man, you just got to do it and go put one foot in front of the other with whatever you're doing. And um, it's cool, man. I appreciate it that, that, that uh, that encouragement, you know, you're an encouragement, I think, um, you know, coming from where you did and, and now where you're at. And as I look from an on, you know, from a, uh, a bystander looking at your social media, it's tied to see, man, you know, that you're putting in the, the, the work behind the success. Right. And, you know, it all just boils down to just knowing that for me to be successful, I need to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like if you don't, eventually those things will spawn, whether it's like a back injury or your blood pressure or whatever. And so, you know, I'm always like, you know, encouraging people, especially people that sit a lot, you know, be careful because it's like a silent killer. You know, those hamstrings, you know, they they will atrophy no matter what, especially if you're sitting. So, you know, you have to, you have to like, think about that, you know, and, um, you know, and you'll thank yourself later down the Mm -hmm. road when you do, because nobody wants to have a back injury that sidelines them from, I mean, I was lucky enough to where I make a salary. So if I was somebody who made my living from somebody who walks in and my back goes out like that, that could 
screw me for years and years, you know, whether it's like defaulting on an auto loan or like, you know, not being able to pay your bills, like that stuff happens every day. And it's like, well, people don't talk about it because it's not fun to talk about, you know, but it does, you know, I mean, I run into tattooers that injure themselves all the time, whether it's from being drunk or whether it's from things like where I have, where it's just like this over the time back injuries. And so anything you can do to kind of help mitigate that risk, you know, I'm always kind of like, I'm like the, the doomsday sayer, like, Hey, Hey, before it, it happens, you know, try to work on it, you know? And so. Absolutely. And I think that if anybody takes anything from this podcast today, um, it's hopefully to be inspired and, the tagline of this shit is going to be to be successful. You need to take care of yourself. And that's great. Great advice, man. Great advice from Ryan. Thanks to Ryan um, from selling clothing co-owner him and Jeremy have put together such an amazing company and a thank you for coming on. Thanks to all the listeners for um, listening, continually supporting um, this project. And I'm excited for the rest of the year and make sure you come out to music is probably over. So hopefully you slap me a high five. Um, and we got ink and iron coming up and we got Palm Springs coming up this year. So come out, say what's up and, um, you know, listen, learn, hustle, repeat. That's what's up. You know, it's, uh, everything's out there and available. So, so keep it up guys. Thank you very much. I just want to say thank you, Joe, for um, taking the time out. And I want to say thank you to anybody who actually took the time to listen to this and who is a part of the family and you know without you we wouldn't exist and so thank you for everybody that was ryan smith co-founder of selling clothing make sure to check him out on instagram at color crimes you can find me on instagram and twitter as usual at og joe swanson follow at sullen radio for weekly show updates contests and info on all the 2015 sullen radio live events also on March 20th through the 22nd, this coming weekend, if you're in Southern California, head on out to the Musing Tattoo Festival presented by Travis Barker. Stop by the Southern Clothing booth and say what's up. I'm going to be there all weekend long recording for the show. Thanks for listening, guys, and keep hustling.